Good morning. I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-rectors here at the table. And uh, if you're new here or if this is your first time here, I would love to tell you that the temperature is more, more appropriate in here usually, but that just would not be the truth. Uh, it's kind of a roller coaster, but we'll make do. Uh, today, we proclaim good news in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that in your moments of grasping, God is not far from you. In your grief and your joy, your confusion and your competence, all of it is held together in God. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. This morning, breathe in what you are becoming, creation being made new. Here on the sixth Sunday of Eastertide, uh, just a week before Ascension Sunday, it seems like an odd time to revisit the death of Jesus. It seems like an odd choice for that to be our gospel passage. It feels more appropriate for Good Friday. Um, didn't we just do this? And do we really need to go back to before we left Lent and entered into Eastertide? And yet here we are, once again, we are invited to be present to Christ's ultimate moment of desolation. Darkness has spread across the land at an unnatural hour. Amidst the midday darkness, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All week long, it has felt to me as if our Acts passage and our Matthew passage have been in dialogue with one another. Jesus is here saying, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? And then Paul in Acts is saying, God is not far from any one of us. What are we to make of this apparent tension in Scripture? Of course, one does not have to be far away from someone to abandon them. Many of us are very familiar with a theological approach that teaches that God, while being omnipresent, while being everywhere, is relationally cut off from anyone who is in sin. So technically, God is close to all of us, but relationally, God is far or cut off. The image that comes to mind for me when thinking about this is God's back being towards us until we've purified ourselves enough to earn God's acceptance or God's attention. So this theological approach goes like this. Jesus takes responsibility for all of the bad things we've ever done by absorbing that guilt, and he makes it so that God's disposition is shifted away from Jesus. His relationship with the Father is cut off. This view of sin and God's plan for salvation is reminiscent of some of our worst imaginations for how to be in relationship with one another. It stirs in me familiarity with my, my worst imagination for how to be a parent. To become emotionally cut off or unavailable from one of my kids if they do something that I disagree with or disapprove of. It's a form of emotional abuse, really. It's coercive. If I can't get this from you, then I won't be present to you. Many of us have been taught this about God explicitly, but whether we've been taught it or not, I think that we're oftentimes predisposed to believe this. From young ages, we struggle with shame 
We question our own lovability, our own acceptedness. I see this come out of my kids in different ways. I mean, they're raised in the same household, and I'm making every effort to make sure that they know that they are loved no matter what they do. And yet I can still see these narratives coming out of them. And I wonder, where did you get that from? Church, we make a vital mistake when we imagine God to be human, as if God is a man sitting up on the clouds in heaven. When we do this, we have a tendency to project the worst parts of our humanity, the broken parts of ourselves, onto God. There's immense good news available to us in knowing that God is not a man. As Paul says in Acts, neither is God served by human hands because of needing anything since God gives to all life and breath and all things. In God, we live and move and have our being. In God, we live and move and have our being. Church, the divine is so much more than we can imagine. We've heard it said that God is love. Here, it seems that Paul is saying at some level that God is life. It's so hard for us, using a lot of the terminology that we've received, thinking of God as Father, for us not to have this image of there just being some really big person up there, maybe composed of light, probably looks a little different, but not too different. But God is more than that. In God, we live and move and have our being. We're talking about a cosmic reality for all of life and creation. Paul goes on to say, from one person, God made all nations, all women, men, children, and God ordered the seasons and the boundary of their habitation. The NRSV says, God allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places that they would live, that they would search for God and perhaps reach for God and perhaps find God. Yet indeed, God is not far away from any one of us. For in God we live and move and have our being. We too are the offspring of the divine. We too are the offspring of life. We too are the offspring of love. Now just as there is immense good news available to us in knowing that God is not a man, there is immense good news to us in knowing that Jesus is a man. God put on flesh and entered the world as a baby and experienced all of what life offers us. Jesus on the cross cries out, Where are you, God? He's quoting Psalm 22 here. Psalm 22 is a passage about being surrounded by threats, by enemies and attackers. The full depth of human emotion is available to us here in this passage. The full depth of feeling abandoned and alone and hopeless. And this is the passage in Scripture that Jesus quotes in his ultimate moment of desolation on the cross. Where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me? Church, where is it today that you feel a lack of God's presence? Where do you feel surrounded by threats or alone? Is there a a relationship or a situation in which you feel hopeless? 
in the midst of broken relationships, in the midst of unexpected cancer diagnoses, in the midst of all of that, you are free to cry out today. Where are you? And Psalm 22 goes on, pleading to God not to be far away, and then recounting in tandem with that God's past faithfulness. There's this wrestling back and forth in that passage of desperation and feeling abandoned and alone and at risk, but also continuing to recount God's faithfulness throughout time. And Psalm 22 ends by saying, future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim God's deliverance to a people that are yet unborn, saying that God has done it. This is not denial or delusion. You don't have to talk yourself out of how you're feeling, if you're feeling hopeless or alone. What we receive here, what we hear Christ calling out from the cross, is that desperation. It's a depth of loneliness and devastation, but also acknowledging that the constancy of life is God's presence. God is life. God is love. God is with you. God is faithful, church. Even in the moments when you feel overwhelmed and abandoned, you are being held together by the God of life. Even as you feel abandoned and want to cry out, where are you? God is in that. And you are free to call out. Beloved, in your moments of grasping, God is not far away from you. You are not alone and you are not forgotten. Breathe in today what you are becoming creation, which is being made new as it enters your lungs. We respond to this good news by reckoning with where we really are. Life is full of ups and downs, joy and sorrow and grief that we don't know how to carry with us in relationships or situations, unknown futures, extremely complicated and uncomfortable Mother's Day. And yet in the midst of this, all of life is wrapped up and held together in the divine There's good news to us in reckoning with the fact that God is not a man. God is cosmically holding creation together, all of what you're feeling right now. Unbelief, questions about your lovability or unacceptedness, feeling abandoned, all of that is held together by God. You are loved. God is with you. You are not alone. In the name of the Father, 